You're listening to the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast, your source for tips and tricks on building wealth through real estate in Connecticut. You will get the best techniques from leading local experts in real estate and lending. Now, here's your host, Robert Weinberg. Good Saturday morning to everybody and welcome to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast along with Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Hey, Rob, good to hey, see you, Gary. my man. What's what you been up to, man? What have I been up to? Well, just trying <laughs> to survive, I think, like yeah. everyone else in this crazy world we're in now, right? Hey, look, I I know it, I have a the best man at my wedding and my lifelong buddy from first grade. In fact, you know him, Al oh, Grover. Yeah, Al. We yep. had him on the show. I think one time about a year ago. Yep. Um. Look, he's not only a real estate agent; he's in recruiting. He's yep. in. He gets his. He gets. He's salaried as well, so he gets. Uh, he's a kind of a big wig in, in in where he works out of. Um, and he's even saying he goes, "Man, this is it's t- it's the toughest that he's seen in." Many people long are saying that, and, you know. And I I almost think back to when I started in the industry; it was tough, more so because I didn't have any clients and was just trying to figure out where do, where do I get clients and stuff. And nowadays I have dozens and dozens of clients out looking for homes. But at the end of the day, as real estate pros, we don't get paid until a deal closes. Right. And, but I remember one of the things that he was telling me even over the winter, you know, January, February, he was like, yeah, but Gary, wait till spring, like May. Once right. you get to May and people are out and about and the weather's nicer and he goes, yeah, you'll start to see more of the houses going. Well, here it is May and- I don't know. Uh, it's not as ferocious of a change as we had hoped, I think. Right? That's a nice way to put it. I yeah. think there I, there have been more homes coming on the market. There have been more opportunities. But, not but it's in... not substantial. Yeah. And it hasn't made a big dent. So what you've got is more of these buyers coming in saying, hey, it's summertime, it's spring, time to buy a home, time to get ready. But the housing actual inventory has only risen a slight, slight amount. So you know what I've noticed as a person who is actively looking at homes is the homes that are on the market fall in one of two categories in I'm the guy in between. I'm either finding the McMansions that are like, wow, this is, I don't, I don't, first of all, I don't need all this room. I don't want to pay the property tax on this house neither. I don't need six, five bedrooms, right, you know, right. or I'm finding the two bedroom you know, little dinky house with uh, no garage or or maybe one garage. One garage where I'm like, nah, that's a little too, I need something a little nicer than that or a little bigger than that. I'm not finding the three-bedroom, two-bath, you know, this kind of nice little backyard, just kind of. Uh, something that's in the mid range, you know, the, the, I think that's just a matter of the limit, just the limited inventory means that you're not going to have as much choice, right? (laughs) So you're seeing stuff on the low end, you're seeing stuff on the high end, you're not seeing much in the middle. And I think it's not that there's not properties in the middle. It's that a property comes on in the middle, that sweet spot, it's gone in a day or two. It's not even on your radar. Maybe you see it on a Monday and you go back on Wednesday it shows like well, contingent or under contract or whatever. That quick, they didn't even have like a. You didn't have time to go see it. No, that's no it. open house. That's why no. I. That's why I've been. You know, our last show we talked about navigating the market for buyers, and I was really honing in on the fact that you need that full pre-approval. It's not even a negotiable thing anymore because by the time you go look at that house. And if you want to him and haw and think about it for a day or two, you're done. You are not getting that house in the sweet spot. If you're looking to go outside of that to the really big houses or the ones that need a lot of work, then you've got a little more negotiability or negotiation uh, potential there. 
But everyone's looking for that move-in ready, family house, the good schools, the good neighborhood. Everyone wants that. And there are people that are willing to pay a huge premium <laughs> to get that. Uh, and what I've seen is because of the market changing and people actually wisening up to that logically, they're coming in right now. I had a client come to me that's like, I know that we cannot afford, based on what we're pre-approved for, the house that we want. So I've got my sister ready to give me up to $50,000 as a gift to bid over to make sure we get it. You know, so people, I'm seeing more and more gift funds from family. I mean, I always saw that. It was always a part of the first time buyer market, a big part of it. But now I'm seeing it even with move up buyers, second time buyers, or first time buyers that maybe used to just offer lists. They want that really good screaming deal. Now they're wisening up or their realtor is and going, we're going to have to pay 20 grand over. We're going to have to pay 30 grand over, 50 grand over. Not only will we have to do that, we are now comfortable doing that. We're ready to do that because they know in this market, that's what it takes to win. It is. And I think when we look long-term, why is that so important to a lot of these buyers that used to be so stingy with their money? I mean, what first-time buyer doesn't want an amazing deal, right? Who doesn't want to walk into a house with equity built in day one? But now we're seeing the opposite. The barrier to entry is you're walking in with little to no equity. You're walking in, maybe you paid more than that house is worth. And not only that, but you would actually have to get the money in many cases from somewhere else to do that. They're willing to do that because the value of owning a home is so important. Nobody likes overpaying on anything in life. And you know what? You're not even going to get a mortgage if it doesn't appraise for what the house is worth. Yeah, typically, yes, there's some workarounds, there's some creative solutions, but generally, especially for the one that's putting three or 5% down, like really low down, it the appraisal is of utmost importance. The ones where there's flexibility are where you're putting 30, 40, 50% down. Now, if it doesn't appraise, we can still get you a mortgage. Maybe the terms will be a little different, but we can still get you a mortgage. But when I step back, though, and ask these buyers you know, why are they okay with this? And are they comfortable with this type of insanity, right? I mean, two years ago, would you, if I told you I'm paying 50 grand over ask, you'd go to an insane asylum. Like that makes no sense financially, personally, like where does it make sense? But emotionally, we talked about emotionally and that's where it's at now is that the emotions have taken over the first time. The ones that don't have to sell, they're not locked into that low rate. They're now emotionally tied to wanting that ownership of owning a home, and they are willing to do almost anything, beg, borrow, and steal to get there because they've seen what homes do. Homes appreciate. You can borrow against homes for future needs. You can create wealth through real estate. And they've seen that now with the current sellers on the market. They've seen that with their parents. They've seen that with their friends and colleagues and coworkers that have bought homes in the last three, five, 10 years, and now are sitting there with a big pile of money in equity. Okay. That is tugging at those emotions and it's making them say, at no, I mean, we will not spare any cost. We will not leave any site unturned or unseen 
in order to get into this house. And they're doing any and everything. And it's like something I've never seen before, Gary, but there's a motive behind it. And it's those emotions that we are talking about, not the logic. Because if you look at the logic, no one would buy a house <laughs> way over ask, right? Why would you? If you have a place to put your head at night, why are you going to spend all that extra money? And it's because of those intangible benefits, those benefits that take years and decades to build. That's what real estate's all about. And that's what our show's about today, the power of what home equity can do for you. Then how can tapping into your home equity help you solve financial problems? Right. So you know that your home's value can increase over time, right? Everyone knows your home's value can increase over time. But home equity is basically the difference between the value of the home and what you still owe on the mortgage or any other liens. And home equity can be a huge lifesaver when you need some extra cash. And there's obviously so many reasons that you might need some extra cash, right? So you know, home equity becomes that lifeline. It becomes that account that people have. You know, maybe they've tapped their 401k, they tapped their investments, or they don't want to pull money from those places. But home equity, we always go back to because it's this thing that, you know, it keeps on growing in many cases, year after year, day after day. Interesting. What, just what are, what are some of the myths that you've heard that people have about accessing their home equity? Yeah, so there's a lot of misconceptions about there about using your home equity. Some folks don't even realize that they can access their equity at all. I know. Uh, Most people don't. Yeah, you know, and then you've got another group of people that think that, well, if I tap my home equity, I'm going to have to start my mortgage way back from the beginning. So they are like, well, I don't want to do that again. Or there's also people that are like, yeah, I know I can get access to it. I know I've got money there. But that's too risky. I I was told never to do that. You know, there's this stigma we'll talk about uh, around using home equity. So there are plenty of ways that you can tap your home equity without putting yourself in financial jeopardy. So like anything, there's a right and a wrong way to do it, right? As far as some specific myths is there's only one way to get it, which is to take a second mortgage. Oh, Getting equity, I don't want another mortgage, right? I mean, I already have one mortgage. I don't want to take on another huge myth. You can tap your equity by doing cash out refinance of your current mortgage. Then you don't need to take on a new payment. So that's big. Uh, another myth is my mortgage is going to go through the roof if I do that. Like you're paying, let's say, $1,500 a month, and they feel like if I tap my equity, my mortgage is going to be $2,000 a month or $2,500, and I don't want that. I only need ten dollars or $20,000. I don't need this huge additional payment on top of my regular mortgage. And I'll tell you that I've had clients that have been in their homes for you know five, 10 years, and we'll do a cash out refinance, and their mortgage payment doesn't go up at all. I've had cases, I remember uh, about a year and a half ago, a client, they took a $10,000 cash out refinance and their interest rate went up. Their mortgage actually went down by 10 bucks. <laughs> so don't think, don't listen to that myth because your payment can go up. It can also go down. Sometimes it can stay the same. The last myth I want to touch on this, which goes back to the stigma around the home equity is home equity is only for the desperate. You know, someone who's financially savvy, somebody who does well, who has a job, somebody who has investments and their financial house is in order, they're not going to use home equity. And if I'm going to do that, then 
I'm someone who's desperate. I'm somebody who's at the end of their lifeline. And I would tell you that's absolutely not the case. I have people that are seven-figure net worth individuals, entrepreneurs, business owners, very successful, and home equity is actually one of the first places they look to borrow from because it's one of the cheapest. What are some of the uses that people can use that money from a home equity? What, what, what do they yeah, use it for? Yeah, I mean, if you're a homeowner and you've got this equity built up, then you've got some options. I think that's important that you know. A lot of people use the equity, and you know we'll talk about some of the most common uses here, making home improvements or renovations, paying off high interest debt, or even to invest in other properties. That's been really popular. So let's like break each one of those down here. So home improvements and renovations. Right now, because so many people are choosing to stay in their home, we want to make this home a forever home, right? Or we want to make this home into something that you can see yourself and your family staying in for a long time, not just a year or two, but over the long haul. How do we do that? Well, do an addition on the home, add a pool, add some amenities, maybe an outbuilding, add a client that's building like a four-car garage on their property they're using money for. Mm. So this is really common is to make that home that maybe you were thinking of selling. Now you don't want to do that for you know, the reasons you want to make that into you, your home that you want for long term. You're going to use the home improvement uh, for cash out for that renovation. Debt consolidation. You know, we've done whole shows on debt consolidation, right. but debt consolidation has been really popular lately because a lot of people have gotten into debt for multitude of reasons. Right. And they look at retirement investments, savings. It's tapped out. Their retirement's down. Their 401k is down. Their savings was depleted, or maybe they're at their last couple grand, but they've got this big, big ball of money sitting in the walls of their home, right? They've got all this money built up. I mean, many people have, you know, six figures plus of equity in their home. And that's not the exception right now. That's like the majority of people that own a home in Connecticut, I would tell you, more than half the homeowners have six figures or more in equity because of the run-up in home prices. So, you know, consolidating your debt or restructuring your debt, maybe you have a really high payment that you had to take for whatever reason that was on a short-term loan. Let's restructure it. Let's pay it off. Let's replace it with something that's tax-advantaged in many cases, that's very flexible. You can create a custom repayment plan 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, uh, has a good, relatively good interest rate compared to other things on the market, and it's secured by your home. That's why you're able to get this preferential financing. So that debt consolidation can be big. The last one I'll touch on is the financial planning and investment. Right now, while the market is down, there are these investment opportunities available, right? You can buy stocks today that you couldn't buy a couple years ago for even close to how low they are now. Where are you going to get the money to do that? There's business owners right now that are having to sell their businesses or make major changes and cuts to their business. Those are people that are looking for partners. Those are people that are looking for investors. Where do you get that money? You know, you can't invest in many businesses for a couple thousand. But again, there's this huge amount, six figures plus in home equity that you can get access to. So financial planning with home equity is big. I've had people pay off taxes owed to the IRS. I've had people make investments in businesses. I've had people make investments in stocks. You know, I'm not saying I agree with that necessarily, but Mm -hmm. if your financial advisor has a specific plan for you and this plays in with it, it could make sense. So the bottom line is just knowing your options, knowing what people are doing, and then molding this advice to your situation. You mentioned something a moment ago that really caught my attention. Why is it that people are so uncomfortable borrowing against their equity? 
Yeah, so I refer to it as that stigma against right, around right. borrowing the home equity. Um, maybe they've heard horror stories about foreclosures or bad experiences that people had during the last housing crisis. That was really, really common that people would do these, you know, equity cash out refis and they take a risky loan and then they lost the home a couple years down the line. You know, that was a big, a big issue. And a lot of people, a lot of today's first time buyers may have seen their parents or grandparents have that issue and almost lose their home or many of them did lose their home in that last housing crisis. Um, and a lot of people feel like, okay, I know the equity's there, but like that's for retirement. Uh, uh, there's a, a lot of people, especially in the older generation, I feel that in their head, well, that's for retirement. Like that's my nest egg. I don't really have a big 401k. I don't have an IRA, but I'm paying my house down and my house is going up in value. Well, that's my retirement fund because my house is worth half a million and I only owe 150 on it. And when that mortgage is paid off, I'm going to have this big nut, right? I'm going to have this big nest egg to use for retirement. But what I'm finding is the reason why people have this is because of being passed down from older generations. There was a it's the Great Depression mentality where back in the 1920s and 30s and the Great Depression, the banking laws were different. They could take your home if you were even just a month or two behind on the mortgage. They could take your home back then. After the Great Depression, a lot of things changed. The Federal Housing Administration, there were some new laws put in. So the banks can't just take your home anymore. But that mentality that the bank could take your home and that you're at their mercy with the mortgage, that has bled down through multiple generations to where people are told, just get rid of that mortgage. You don't want a big one. You want to get rid of it as soon as you can because you're at risk while you have it. And that's the stigma. That's where it came from. Are there any situations where it's not a good idea to use your home equity? Yeah, and I mean- when home equity can be a really valuable tool for some of the reasons we talked about, like home improvements, renovations, and debt consolidation, Mm -hmm. where it can sometimes not be a good idea is using it for a fancy vacation, using (laughs) it for something that doesn't have a financial return, okay? Car? So, uh, no, a car loan, actually, I've had many people refinance or take home equity to buy a car. Because a car, there is a return. You're getting something for your money. Yeah, but it depreciates in value. Well, a vacation has no value. So (laughs) depreciating in value is better than zero from the beginning, okay? The vacation, I actually, you know, I agree with the want to do a vacation because I understand the value that the experience can give you and your family, right? That's priceless. But when you're spending a lot of money to get that priceless memory and you're borrowing to do it, that's where it's not a good idea. If you're borrowing home equity to invest in risky investments, risky individual stocks, things like that, I don't agree with it. I'm not telling you that a financial plan. Yeah, well, may markets not are volatile you. anyway, so there's no security in in, in that. Yeah, those guarantee. No I would just say that if it's risky and doesn't have a return, it's not a wise investment. If you're gonna be able to make money or save money by doing what you're doing with the equity, that's where it can have a good payoff. You just have to weigh the pros and the cons, and you have to do a return on investment calculation to figure out if it's gonna be worth it. No matter what we're talking about on this show, I guarantee there will be people right now 
this month that will go and take a home equity loan or refinance so they can take their, their kids, their family on a crazy trip around the world. And I will just tell you that years ago, I had a client come to me with 80,000 in credit card debt. When I asked her where the debt came from, she took her family of 16 people on a trip to India and paid for the whole thing. Oh. And that's how she had 80,000 in credit card debt. Now she ended up having to refinance her house to pay off all this high interest debt because she wasn't wise from the beginning. Folks, you are listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show in the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. Of course, uh, you can find more information on uh, Rob's website. It's www.robgw.com and his phone number, area code 860-413-3938 in case you'd like to schedule a consultation. By the way, I will repeat those points of contact as well as provide an email address. All that stuff I'll repeat more towards the end of the show. What are some of the more I don't know, maybe like unconventional ways that people could use their home equity. Yeah, this gets fun because some homeowners, they'll get really <laughs> creative with their equity. I would say probably one of the coolest unconventional methods. And I say unconventional because even though we talk about it, not a lot of people do it. Mm -hmm. um, listeners of this show do, though, because they're calling and emailing me, and I know they're taking this advice. But using your equity from one home to buy multiple properties, it's called the stacking method, Okay. You know, there's definitely risk there. Who's going to sit here and say there's no risk in buying property? But when you have a client that's got a good job, they've got a good savings account set up, and they just don't have enough to buy that investment home or that second home. That home equity can bridge the gap. And for many people, it does. So it all starts with buying one property and then using that method to accumulate multiple over the course of many years. I'm not... Uh, insinuating someone should go take a home equity loan or refinance and then take all the money and buy two or three properties in the course of a month or two, that can be you know overwhelming. But if you can do it smart, you have that right team around you and you can do it in a time frame that doesn't put you at financial risk, doesn't make you feel rushed or making bad moves, then that's a huge unconventional way that people have been using. Not only are they borrowing from their home equity, but they're actually using that to build their wealth long term. So that's huge. Uh, a really cool one, too, is um, funding children's education. You know, right now, the cost of college has gone through the roof. A lot yeah. of people are not prepared for it. I talk to clients every day that they have enough for one year of their kid's college, or if that, but they're not prepared for three or four years, you know, or couple of years in a trade school that's going to be a substantial investment. So a lot of people now I've been seeing turning to their home equity to help bridge that gap. So that's an unconventional mm -hmm. way. One of the most, I would say the coolest ways I've seen to use the home equity, and a lot of our more astute listeners will know this, it's called the Burr method. Have you ever heard of the Burr method? B-R-R-R-R, no. Burr. What it stands for is buy, renovate, mm -hmm. rent, refinance, repeat. Oh. It's a really... It used to be a little known method, but there's some podcasts and some websites like Bigger Pockets that are well known in the real estate community that have started teaching this. There's a lot of books about it. So basically, it's a real estate strategy 
to buy homes, rent them out, refinance them, pull the equity out, and then do that multiple times. So it's kind of like the stacking method that mm -hmm. we talked about, but it's a little more in detail because what you do is you buy a property and then as soon as you buy it, you renovate it. So you have to have the money to buy it and renovate it. But once you renovate it, now the house is in much better condition when you bought it, right? So now you get a tenant in there. That tenant's going to be willing to pay a premium because it's a renovated property. It's nice. It's got the bells and whistles. So now you've got cash flow coming in. You've got a tenant in there. Once that's all in play, now you can go refinance because now you can show the bank that I've got a tenant in there. Here's their lease and they're paying me money every month. So now the bank will let you cash out typically up to 75, sometimes 80% of the current value of the property. That will generally give you all your money back and then some. And the money that you cash out, you can just take that and repeat on your next property. So ultimately you end up with two, three, four, five, even some people with dozens of these rental properties and they've used this Burr method to get them. The Burr method starts with buying, but where are you gonna get the money to buy? So you may refinance or take a home equity loan on your current principal home or what residence or property you do own and then use that to buy to start the Burr method. What about interest rates? How important is an interest rate when borrowing against your home equity? Yeah, so I think people get so wrapped up in the interest rate as if it's the most important thing. But when I deal with more astute entrepreneurial and investor types, they don't really look that close at the interest rate. They're looking at what is my payment going to be per month and how much money can I make from that investment? So what is it going to cost me in, in my monthly cost? And what is my return going to be? How much money am, go am I going to make? So for example, they're looking at it's going to cost me 1000 a month, and I'm going to generate $1,800 a month. Mm. Okay? That's a nice spread. Yeah. You're going to cost you 1000 a month, and you're only generating 1100 a month? Eh, that doesn't leave a, a lot of room for error, right? So interest rates play a role, but they're not the only factor. You really want to look at the big picture. You want to make sure the numbers make sense. Because even at a 2 or 3% rate, there were a lot of people that shouldn't have refinanced or shouldn't have pulled that money because it might not have made sense for them, right? But they weren't looking at that. They were blinded by the rate saying, oh, 2 3%. Let me, how much can I get? I want as much as I can get. And that's a negative thing. So how much will your monthly payment be? Payment sensitivity. And the last thing that I'll uh, discuss when it comes to interest rates on this topic is going to be the two-step process. So understanding that interest rates are cyclical, they're going to go up and down, understanding that you need to have an exit strategy strategy when you take a home equity loan or refinance, you need to know where you're going to be with that loan in two years, in five years. What is your opportunity? Are rates at the point where they might come down or are they in an upward trend? Mm. You got to look at all that. And if you're taking a loan right now in mid-2023, the rates have been elevated for several months, maybe even a year now, right? So- are we due for a correction? Are we due maybe for them to come down? I can tell you that if you're taking a loan now, understand you may have a refinancing opportunity in the next couple of years. All right, final question. Can you borrow against your home equity more than once? And if so, what, when? Yeah, that's another myth that a lot of people think, oh, well, I, I took the equity out a year ago or five years ago. I can't do that again. And that's absolutely false. You can tap it multiple times. There's really no hard and fast rule. 
uh, what you need to do is really weigh the pros and the cons. Because I've seen some people that we call refi junkies, where every <laughs> year they're they're cashing out. I've had some where it's even less than a year up until recently, where they've been trying to get access to equity every six, eight months because they're in such a difficult financial circumstance and that equity keeps going up and they keep seeing it going up. So it's like, all my other accounts are going down. This one keeps going up. Well, I'm going to take from this one, right? The home equity account. So- I'll tell you that there recently was a rule put in place by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, who make the majority of loans in this country, where they now require that you cannot cash out, refinance your home until there's been 12 months on that mortgage. It used to be six months. It's recently changed to 12 months. So the answer to the question is you can refinance with that conventional loan once every 12 months. Just make sure it makes sense for you and make sure you're not digging yourself a deeper hole. Folks, you've been listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast. Uh, If you like more information on this topic and the plethora of others that we've covered for, oh, my goodness, a, a couple of two. Over two years yeah. now. Head on over to Rob's website. It's www.robgw.com. Again, robgw.com. By the way, if you've got a question that you'd like to have answered uh, right here on this show, maybe as even as soon as uh, next weekend, that's easy to do as well. Simply email us at Mortgage Matters Radio Show at gmail.com. By the way, if you'd like to schedule a consultation with Rob, uh, write this phone number down. I know it's the weekend, but... Call them first thing on on Monday morning. Schedule the consultation. It's easy to do. 860-413-3938. Again, it's 860-413-3938. For Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Thank you so much for listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge Podcast. Until next Saturday morning, have a good one, everybody. So long. Thanks for listening. If you have questions about the information we've covered or would like to discuss mortgage financing for your situation, you can reach Robert Weinberg by visiting www.robgw.com.